What comes to your mind when I say sickle cell disease? Chances are that you're thinking of something haematological. But have you ever considered the impact of social stigma on coping with sickle cell disease? This is EHA 2019, and I'm delighted to welcome Kofi Annie, who is, for a change, not a haematologist, but a psychologist, and was involved in one of the EHA's topics and focus sessions here in Amsterdam. Kofi, welcome, and thank you for being with me today. So, as a psychologist and as a patient, a sickle cell patient, would you say that the, the psychological needs of someone with sickle cell disease get as much attention as their haematological needs? I would say overall no, but it's getting better. Um, I've been working in the field for quite a long time, um, and over 20 years ago I had, had the opportunity of working as a psychologist predominantly with um, people with sickle cell disease and also um, patients with thalassemia as well. But in, in um, my practice, in, in one of the London teaching hospitals, um, which is affiliated with Imperial College, I um, kind of have looked at how things have changed. When I started working in the field, there were hardly any psychologists like myself. Um, but in recent times, um, like I said, it's, it's gotten better. And now we have psychologists, even if they're not working full-time, in the field like myself, um, some of them are doing work that is substantial in terms of the amount of um, hours or the amount of sessions that they, they, they are working within. And did, did you find at the beginning of your journey that there was, there was obviously a lot of unmet need in a way? Yeah. Um, and what, what, other, what, have you, what else have you noticed? Obviously the service is a lot better, yeah. but have you noticed there's a, a benefit to patients report that they, they appreciate that input. Absolutely, and, and I think even in terms of recent um, surveys with patients, um, patients do appreciate that um, psychological support is being provided, but they also say that it's not enough. And that sort of confirms my own view that even though they know that there are available um, psychologists that can support them, um, in most cases, where you don't have the predominance, and this is especially in areas just outside London, uh, or if you go further out into other parts of England, you're not going to find the specialized um, services, and they have to rely on generic um, services in, in terms of, um, in, in children, it will be child and adolescent mental health services, in adults it will be adult mental health services, and patients have recognized that there's a difference in having specialists um, as opposed to um, generists. <laughs> sure, sure, yes, I know what you mean. It's a very specific condition, isn't it? And, um, and, and just thinking about sickle cell disease itself, you know, yeah. we, we often think in medicine of complications being physical ones like vaso-occlusive crises, yeah. but st stigmatization and stigma itself is also a complication. How big a complication do you think that is? I think it's really huge and most of the time people may not recognize it just because it's kind of unconscious or they are inadvertent things that um, we probably wouldn't take notice of. So if you look at stigma generally uh, as a social concept, 
it's just being different from the perspective of the patient, being different from other people. So if you, if you look at it historically, um, stigma might have been defined as people actually coming along um, from different backgrounds and being identified as being different either socially, culturally, or for some reason, because they might have some sort of disability or they might have something that people can identify them that is different from, let's say, the norm. So I think that impact in, in terms of patients is, is very big. And if you look at maybe people not understanding sickle cell disease, and I'm referring to health professionals, might misunderstand that the impact of stigma in the terms of dealing with patients differently and the burden that the patient or the individual or the family has to face is what creates that impact psychologically. And we know that emotional um, feelings, emotional um, sort of behaviors that um, people with sickle cell have to live with makes it difficult for them because it has such an important component in managing their symptoms, their pain, and, and, and everything else on a day-to-day -day basis. It's, it's clearly a very a big issue that, that sounds like it's not been given enough prominence in, in terms of the way clinicians approach it. How do you think clinicians, you know, haematologists and other clinicians in the medical sphere can actually help? Yes, I think they, they can help by trying to understand um, some of the facets that lead to people being stigmatized. So, for example, um, just the patient talking about the severity of their pain and not being believed. Mm. So, it means that obviously we are going to undertreat that patient's pain. And, and that, is a, that is a big problem. Um, because sometimes patients would say that, you know, they just feel that, you know, doctors or nurses don't understand what they're saying. So I think things like that, which makes them feel that they are different, is, is really what has that sort of big impact. And, and in, in medicine, you know, that, 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 what you're saying resonates very strongly with me as a, as a a primary care doctor myself and I can I can I see exactly where you're coming from and and, and in medicine we we're taught to use a biopsychosocial yeah. model which some people agree with and others don't yeah. but if we separate those out uh, in terms of the stigma part of, yeah. of sickle cell can you talk a bit about that and what your approach would be if you were giving a a 101 to a clinician just in terms of tips yeah so I would I would just look at some dimensions of stigma and I think you can highlight three key areas. So one is obviously the social impact, whereby you, looked at, you look at how society or the public in general will look at people with sickle cell disease. And, and obviously, historically, it's been something that has been identified as being predominantly um, affecting black people. And a lot of patients to this day would, would believe in that. So... That, that is a very big um, social impact in terms of how people are viewed 
as a minority um, mm. kind of um, population of patients. The second area that you can look at is um, I would classify as psychological well-being. So things like the stresses and some of the things that we've talked about is just like the mood and the different um, changes that emotionally a patient has to go through. So whether they are depressed or whether they are anxious or whatever. And what, what would feed into those things? So, for example, if they have the feeling that, you know, there are problems associated with sickle cell disease are not well recognized, it affects their psychological well-being, which then feeds into the me medical um, outcomes. And, and as we know, people who have in, in emotional problems generally would have problems with their symptoms, exacerbation of symptoms. And I think those are the sort of areas that I think we need to focus on. And then the third thing, which again feeds into those two concepts, would be the relationships that patients would have with their healthcare providers. And in this case, it could be doctors or nurses or even psychologists like myself, yeah. is, is again, what we might um, maybe subtly make the patient feel that they are being stigmatized because again, they are sort of looked at as being different from, from others. Mm. And so if you look at those three areas together, I think it gives you an idea of some of the main components or some of the main dimensions regarding stigma. That sounds very useful and it's quite a, a 360 type approach. Yeah. That. And, um, and in, we're in the business in a way in, in, in healthcare of data and measuring things which yeah. you know i don't always think is particularly helpful yeah. but are there any tools to measure stigma well there are few i i mean specific for sickle cell yeah. disease mm. but they are obviously in terms of psychology broadly there are various um questionnaires that can be used to measure stigma in terms of sickle cell specifically some work has been done in the states um, whereby a couple of very good um psychological instruments specific to stigma and sickle cell disease have been developed. Um, but I think sometimes when people are doing research and you want to, in a way, apply the research to a clinical setting, when you have a very lengthy questionnaire, that may not be the most effective way. So I think we probably need to look at some simple tools that can capture a few concepts um, broadly and quickly in, in a clinical setting, maybe like in an outpatient clinic or whatever, then we can use that as a way of implementing some changes. Absolutely. And, and moving to this Congress, um, yeah. your topics and focus session, what were the key messages from that that you were delivering? Okay, so I tried to, in the short presentation, which was about 20 minutes, I tried to give a historical perspective of stigma from the point of view that there was a very prominent um, person um, by the name of Linus Pauling, who was an undivided Nobel laureate, who also had a landmark publication in terms of identifying sickle cell disease as a molecular um, disease. But at the same time, he created some controversy with a speech that he made in terms of 
identifying people who are carriers of the sickle cell gene with a mark, like a tattoo on their forehead. And that goes back to the actual original Greek definition of stigma, whereby you put a mark on a person to identify them as being different of, or being devalued. And his point was that we needed to identify um, people who are carriers of the sexual gene because then you can stop them from getting married and that would eventually um, lead to the disappearance of, of sickle cell disease. Um, so that it was, was one of the very key historical examples that I tried to portray in, in the talk that you know, we, we, we've come a long way, but people still hold that view because if you go and talk to policy makers and some governments would say, if we give you funding for sickle cell programs, how are you going to control the numbers? Which means that how are you going to find a way of stopping people with sickle cell trait from getting married? Yeah, it's really powerful listening to you say that. And I didn't know that about, about Linus Pauling. I thought you were going to say, talk about something else mm. that you've done. But, mm. but, um, and and in, the, in the actual session, so how was it received? And did you find uh, I think, there was a lot of I think it was received very well. Mm. Um, but also I went on to describe some of the concepts like I've mentioned and giving examples from not only Europe, but mm. also other countries like Africa where I've had the opportunity of working mm. um, um, with people, um, either patients themselves with sickle cell disease or also in terms of people who are trying to develop programs like newborn screening in, in various um, African countries. Um, and was there any, was there a lot of audience participation? Well, a, a little bit because there wasn't too much time for interaction. Like I said, <laughs> it was a very um, limited time in terms of the attack. Um, session and I think um, maybe next time we should have the opportunity of more interaction. I had one very good question at the end what was which that? was relating to what we can do about it um, because one of my actually colleagues from London said you know um, they have a patient who looks at um, sickle cell disease as a punishment and how we can address that but I think mm. one of the areas in which we can start ad addressing is, is first to identify that you know people have a stigma we may not have defined it in the past but then using that as an opportunity to ed educate and and in a way debunking some of the myths and misconceptions because that's what we try to do in in, in other places where um, understanding of sex cell disease is very are much based on cultural beliefs or religious um, practices. Yeah, absolutely. It's been absolutely fascinating talking to you, and I'd love to talk to you for <laughs> hours on, on end, actually. I think the conversation could carry on, but unfortunately our, our time is up, and I'd really like to thank Kofi Annie. Thank you so much for a refreshingly non-hematological take on a part of sickle cell disease that we might underestimate in everyday clinical practice, and that goes for other chronic conditions um, beyond sickle cell disease um, so definitely spread the word on that and thank you very much for watching this EHA expert interview bye for now